0: Alright, welcome back to another episode, episode number 11 of the Plumecast, my weekly gaming podcast where I just talk about a lot of Xbox news and and just things going on within the gaming industry and stuff that I... Wasn't able to get to throughout the week or stuff I kind of want to just double down on that I made a video. But thank you for coming by. Thank you for stopping by. Obviously, didn't do episode last Sunday because, you know, it was the Xbox and Bethesda showcase, one of the biggest video game events of the entire year. So I streamed that and I had a great turnout. So thank you to everybody for stopping by. If you guys are new here on every single episode, I have a beer. And this week I am drinking a beer called uh, Barking Squirrel from Hop City, and it is an amber lager, and they are located in Brampton, Ontario, and St. John, New Brunswick. So, it's an amber lager, very good. I like amber beers. Um, I would definitely recommend it if you haven't tried it. I mean, I honestly would recommend most beers. I I like all beer. That's that's the problem with me. Like, you will rarely tell me, you will rarely hear me say, don't drink that beer, it sucks. I, I just like beer, but that's the way it goes. But let me know what you guys are drinking. In the comments below, give me some suggestions. I will take a look at those suggestions and see if they end up in my local beer store. And if I can pick them up, I will. Um, as you guys can see, I am wearing my Habs jersey. I am. I don't really go crazy on social media and stuff like that. But there's one thing you guys need to know about me is I am a diehard Montreal Canadiens fan. Like, like I lose sleep over them. I watch pretty much every single game. And it's it just like... I have a lot of passion for the team, the best way to put it. And they are right now two wins away from making it to the Stanley Cup finals. And they haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1993. The last time they won a Stanley Cup, I was way too young to be able to ever remember anything. So I've never really seen such a deep and good playoff run. This is like the first year in my entire life. So it's been a lot of fun and I hope it keeps going. And I'm just extremely excited, especially after Game 3 win in overtime. Just absolutely crazy. And there's going to be a game tonight. Hopefully they can win it. It'll be tough because Vegas is a very, very good team. But two wins away from the Stanley Cup Final, I'm extremely excited. So wearing my jersey because who knows when this is the next time the Canadians are going to get this far in the playoffs. It seems like it may never happen again. That's how long it's been. I mean, they got to the... Eastern Conference Finals in 2014 but yeah this is this is just like a different team and the way everything is going but yes I'm very excited the best way to put it so all you House fans out there let me know if you're House fan in the comments below in terms of what I've been playing Mass Effect 2 still been playing through some of the demos that came out after the Xbox and Bethesda showcase Tunic which is like that Zelda clone kind of like has some dark souls elements to it too, because you fight some really tough enemies and I can't wait for the full release of that game. It's, uh, it's like exactly how I thought it was going to be from seeing the gameplay trailers, a game I, I knew that I was going to enjoy because I love the legend of Zelda games and it's in that same vein. So can't wait for that to come out. And that's pretty much been it. And then a couple of other demos, I downloaded Sable and trigger, which so those are from the ID at Xbox demos. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I've been playing this week. But that, no, I think that's pretty much it. It's been a very busy week with like the E3 stuff and lots of crazy news and, and coming out and videos that I've been making. So I haven't had that much time. But um, when there's more of a lull in the news and stuff, I'll definitely get back into finishing up more games. Almost on Mass Effect 2. now. I know I've talked about that for the last three or so weeks God, It's such a good game. One of the best RPGs I've ever played. So excited to be finishing that up. And that's about it. Let me know what you guys are playing in the comments below. Now this week's show, going to be going over, just reviewing one more time, the E3 and Bethesda showcase. Just a quick rundown of my thoughts on it. Talking about an article that came out about PS5 and not throwing money at stuff to to cultivate good games. Going over the Pete Hines apology thing, again and i will be talking about the where enix reports about they are very happy without riders and how it did on game pass and i'm going to be talking about the ign stuff that's been going on with the media's bias against xbox which has been absolutely ridiculous so let's just jump right into it so as we know e3 just finished and it was very exciting if you were an xbox fan and it was pretty boring if you're in any other company fan and nintendo's was decent as well i thought nintendo's showcase wasn't that bad a lot of people hated it but i feel like a lot of people just hate no matter what like there's nothing that's ever going to satisfy them i thought nintendo's was like okay like i thought it was like like it w- had some games that i'm interested in that's the best way to put it like metroid dread i am going to be picking up and uh that Shin Megami Tensei game and the um advance wars the advance wars remake or whatever that's coming to the switch i'm probably going to pick that up i used to love those games on the game boy advance so other than xbox and nintendo it was overall a very very boring e3 and like it it was just terrible it was like there was no point in any of these companies having showcases But Xbox, this is what we're here to talk about. We're here to just kind of go over again the Xbox showcase. And I thought that Xbox did an absolutely incredible job with their showcase. If you look at my videos before E3 started, I said that Xbox had to do three things at this showcase and they literally did all three of those things and they did it perfectly. I said that they had to show us stuff that we can go and play right now in the near future with Xbox Game Pass. And just get us excited to want to jump in and turn our Xboxes on right now. They had to give us a glimpse as to what is to come this holiday season to be excited for. And then they had to give us a roadmap of what is to come in the future from all the Xbox game studios. And I thought that they easily did all those things. And I thought it was almost a perfect showcase for Xbox. And probably the best Xbox showcase that I've seen at least in recent memory. So let's just quickly go over some of the stuff that they they showed off. So uh, they opened up with Starfield. Which was just a huge opener, right? Starfield trailer people have been waiting for it was just a teaser trailer, but we got actual in game graphics look at what we can expect and how good this game is going to look overall. And I can't wait for Starfield because there was more information that came out afterwards. Like Todd Howard did some interviews and he said it's pretty much going to be Skyrim in space and you're going to be able to create your character and just really explore this massive world in space and you're part of constellation team i think it was called or something and from everything that's being shown off here this game looks like it's going to be a generational rpg and i absolutely can't wait to see more about it and to eventually play it they gave us a release date as well which i believe is 11 11 22 which means coming out next holiday season and I think that's fine. I don't think there's any problem with Starfield coming out next November because we know we're getting Halo Infinite this year. We're getting Forza Horizon 5 as well. We're getting a bunch of stuff into Game Pass on day one. We're even getting Psychonauts in August. So we're going to have stuff to keep us, for us to play for a very long time. And then going into next year, we're going to have Starfield to look forward to. And I think that's a perfect way to start the lead up to Starfield coming out in 2022 because we're going to see more things about Starfield at the Game Awards at further shows, more gameplay, all that kind of stuff, and then when it finally drops, we're just going to be salivating waiting to get our hands on it. So, very exciting. This is going to be a huge game. This is going to be a game that people run to buy an Xbox for, run to sign up to Xbox Game Pass for from every platform. Like you already can see the the sadness in in PlayStation fanboys and just people who are not going to be on Xbox or aren't on Xbox currently who will want to play Starfield. Then they showed off Stalker 2 and again, Stalker 2 was to me one of the most jaw-dropping trailers in the entire E3. I would say between Stalker 2 and Forza Horizon 5 as the best looking games, but Stalker 2 surprised me more than Forza Horizon 5 just because you knew Forza Horizon 5 was going to look amazing. But Stalker 2, you knew it was going to look good, but the gameplay they showed off was just, I can't wait to play this game. It has moved up very high on my list of games that I'm waiting for. And it also is coming out in 2022, I believe, April 28th, 2022. And after that, they showed us Back for Blood. And the big thing about Back for Blood is that it's coming to Xbox Game Pass on day one. And it's a spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead is going to be the absolute perfect, perfect Xbox Game Pass game It's going to have millions and millions of people playing it right away, guaranteed. I played the first beta or alpha, whatever it was, a couple of months ago. It's a ton of fun. It has great mechanics, and it's just like overall is... I just can't wait to play this on day one. If you like Left 4 Dead, you're going to like Back 4 Blood. And they went on and they announced Contraband. Now Contraband is this new game that Xbox is working in collaboration with Avalanche Studios to create. And from what we know about it right now is that it is going to be a like sandbox game similar to Sea of Thieves. But your vehicle is going to be your main like weapon and mode of transportation and everything. And you're going to have to go and do heists and if you lose your your vehicle gets blown up in the midst of your heist you're going to lose all of the stuff you've scavenged for and everything so it's going to be a sandbox open world style of game where you get together with friends and you go on adventures and they're saying it's similar to kind of like like i said Sea of Thieves so Sea of Thieves was a huge hit i think this is going to be probably another big hit especially because they're in collaboration with Avalanche and Avalanche uh they created they, they're going to be using engines from like Rage 2, I guess, I'm guessing for like the vehicle play and the gunplay. And I thought Rage 2 had a really good vehicle play and really good gunplay. So it's going to have good gameplay overall. And we'll have to see, wait and see more about this game. I mean, it's hard to judge because it was a very small teaser trailer. But the premise is that it's an open world playground sandbox style of game. Uh, they show off The Ascent. Another game's coming to Xbox Game Pass this summer, July 29th. A game I think a lot of people are looking forward to. They went on to show off CF of Thieves, a pirate's life. Won't let won't let Jack Sparrow die. I'm not a big CF Thieves player. I don't have too much of an opinion on this, but I believe it's like a single player campaign addition to the game. And people who are CF Thieves fans seem to be very excited for it. So that's great there. And it's obviously a free upgrade if you're on Xbox Game Pass. Showed off Battlefield 2042. And my God, does this game look good? Like, I know people are going crazy and complaining about it being $10 more on Xbox, and I get it. It shouldn't be. It should be the same price as it is on PC, because you're going to have the same graphics and everything if you have a high power GPU. But, my God, this game looks absolutely incredible. One thing I want to say about 2042 is that, yes, it doesn't have a campaign, but I don't fully understand the price... Like. I get that the $10 more on console is, it shouldn't happen. It makes no sense. But the same standard should be held to linear, or not even linear, but single-player games, particularly a game. like. And I'm not even trying to hate. I absolutely love Ratchet & Clank. I've said this in way older videos, probably, that Ratchet & Clank is one of my favorite series of all time. I've played every single Ratchet & Clank from PS2, PS3, PS4. And I haven't played Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart yet because it's $90 before tax. It's $100 after tax. And I'm just not ready or willing to spend that yet on the game. I'm going to wait till it goes on sale digitally or whatever. And it just, I don't want to spend that type of money. And that game I'm hearing is like super short, but people are, are not holding it to the same the same standard as when they hear something like Battlefield 2042, which again... I'm gonna say because I know people are gonna gonna hold gonna hate on this if I don't, because I do believe that it shouldn't be $10 more than PC. But I would say that Battlefield 2042 on Xbox at $90 before tax is more worthy than than for that $90 than a game like Ratchet and Clank because you're gonna get literally infinite hours of gameplay out of Battlefield 2042, and from what we've seen, what they've shown off, the game looks absolutely incredible. Like 128 players. Vehicles flying everywhere. You see the entire vision of all the fighting and stuff going on when you're flying in a helicopter. You're on top of a building, and there's just so much like dynamic things. I think that can happen in this game. I think this is going to be a huge game, and I, I I can't wait to play it. I may I may actually bite the bullet on this and pick it up. I'm not making any guarantees because by the time it actually comes around, maybe the hype won't be as high, and I won't spend the money. But I am so excited to play Battlefield 2042. It just looked absolutely incredible. At the showcase and it's cool that they showed it off at the the xbox that's bethesda showcase and hey if you don't want to pick it up day one you just wait a bit it's gonna it's going to come on the game pass 3a play so there's that as well and they showed off this game called 12 minutes which i believe is that like time loop game it's gonna open the, yeah the time loop game with like willem dafoe and, and other actors so looks very interesting i'll probably check it out when it comes it is coming to um is this one coming to xbox game pass i believe it's coming to xbox game pass there are only three games they showed off that were not coming to xbox game pass in this showcase psychonauts 2 game comes out august 25th it's it's multi-platform but i am very excited for psychonauts 2. it looks stunning it's so colorful looks like it's more just great humor from tim schaefer and i really just can't wait to play it and then they gave us the halo infinite multiplayer trailer and i talked about this in my video kind of recapping kind of recapping the Holy 3 event earlier in the week that i think this game looks incredible it looks like fun halo the new abilities with the grapple shots um, looks like it's going to create so much just different types of plays you can do within halo they did a deeper dive into it after the fact the next day they actually went into a deeper Halo multiplayer overview. They announced some great things like there is not a season pass that you have to pay for every single time they release new content because it is a free-to-play game. If you purchase it once, you have it, and then you can continuously upgrade it. So that's a great thing. I think this is going to be literally the definitive Halo game that lasts forever. I, like, I feel like Halo Infinite is literally going to be infinite in its length of time and the amount of stuff you're gonna be able to do and the amount of content they're going to add to it i think that has maybe a lot to do with the name as well because this game looks just like everything that you would want i guess some people are still gonna say that you can't play as elites but i mean other than that they may add that in later right it just looks like the vehicles the weapons, the graphics, everything. I just can't wait to play it. There isn't anything really more for me to say about how excited I am to play Halo Infinite other than waiting for this game to come out is going to be very hard. And yeah, I think 343 did a great job. The game looks great. Like there's a graphical upgrade from when we saw it last year to now. So taking that extra year was definitely worth it. I think if they would have put it out this year, we would have gotten it to this point, but we would have Obviously went through it live with 343 and there would have been a lot of complaining. So I think it's really good that they delayed it. Diablo 2 Resurrected. This is another game that's not coming to Game Pass. If you're a Diablo fan, graphically looks like it's a big upgrade. I think it's going to be um, a very popular game. It's a multi-platform game, so. but they showed it off here at the Xbox Showcase. Slime Rancher 2. Uh, I don't know too much about Slime Rancher 2, so I'm not really going to say too much about that. Shredders which is a simulation snowboarding game that I can't wait to play. It's coming to Xbox Game Pass day one. And I've been saying for a long time, we need some more good snowboarding games, more good skateboarding games. And it looks like we're starting to get closer to that. We've got Shredders, we've got Riders of Public coming out from from Ubisoft. So we're starting to get more and more of these extreme sports games. And I couldn't be happier about that. Hades, they showed off. Hades is coming to Xbox Game Pass. Like, this is a game I've always wanted to play. It was up for Game of the Year last year. It's an incredible game I, from everything I've seen and from what people have told me, but I've never been able to play it. And now it's coming to Xbox Game Pass, and I'm going to be able to do that. Then we saw Atomic Heart, which never heard of this game, to be honest. I'd be lying if I said I knew what it was before they showed it off, but it looks freaking awesome. And... It's coming to Xbox Game Pass. Like, incredible, right? That a game like this that looks like it could be a real hidden gem is now coming onto Xbox Game Pass on day one. Replace. This is a game that I think for me was one of the highlights of the entire E3 event. Entire E3 event. It's a side scrolling, uh, pixel art style of game. And from what we're seeing, It looks like it's just going to be fun action, great graphics, a very mysterious, interesting story. And I just love these styles of games. So for me, it it was really awesome to see it. And again, Xbox Game Pass Day 1. We got The Outer Worlds 2, which was just like a funny announcement trailer where they said they have nothing to tell us, but it is coming. So look forward to The Outer Worlds 2. AOE 4, a lot of people are going to be excited about that. Microsoft Flight Simulator coming on July 27th, the console with a bunch of new features for console players, new tutorials, um, new like places you're going to be able to fly for tutorials, and they've adjusted the games just so that it works well on the Series X. And it seems like the technology that's gone into this game, so that graphically it looks awesome with the streaming and all that stuff, it's like something we've never seen before so i'm really excited to see how it performs on the series x and then we have the star of the show forza horizon 5 which i mean is probably going to be the best looking game of the year with with just like what they've shown off in this trailer it looks spectacular the sound in the trailer with the cars like looks top notch and what they've been saying what they're doing with like the capturing of footage and landscape with their 12k cameras and how they've made this the biggest Forza Horizon ever. This game is going to be an absolute hit. Can't wait to play it. I'm not the biggest Forza Horizon person or Forza, or even racing game fan in general. I kind of like kart racers more, but I got into Forza Horizon 4 decently and I think it was like the first time I really realized just like, wow, how amazing the the Horizon games are. So Forza Horizon 5 is a game I'm going to jump into day one and I think I'm going to put a decent amount of time into it right off the bat which means that I'm going to continuously play this game throughout its life. And it looks like I I can't wait. November 9th is when it comes out. And that's something I think a lot of people are looking forward to and it's going to be a big seller for Xbox and for Xbox Game Pass. That's that's a guarantee. And then they ended off the game with Redfall. Now Redfall is a co-op vampire shooter. They showed off the characters, they didn't show gameplay, it was just a cinematic trailer and it looks interesting. Like I'm I'm not over the top excited for it, if I'm being completely honest. I'll, I need to see gameplay because it's a, it's a co-op shooter. We have lots of co-op shooters. But what makes this game interesting is that it's not the zombies, it's vampires you're fighting. So that could bring a whole new dynamic to an enemy system. And I'm excited to see just exactly what it's all about. But I can't say that for me, at least personally, this trailer made the show end off on a bang for me. I, to me, it was like, okay, cool, a new title. Another new first-party IP coming from Xbox Game Studios that we're going to be able to play day one on Xbox. That's what I thought, but I wasn't like, wow, I can't wait to see this game. can't wait to play it and all that kind of stuff. But I am interested, to say the least, uh, to see gameplay and to, to eventually see what this game was about. But yeah, that's it. I mean, that's what they showed off at the showcase. 27 of those games on Game Pass on day one that alone is is incredible if you, if you haven't been convinced that xbox game pass is the best thing in video games and the best of value in video games then nothing will convince you there's just no more there's no point there's absolutely no point but i thought it was a very very good show they they really did well they they lived up to the hype to say the least but i just want to do a quick rundown of what was shown and just let me know in the comments below What you guys are most excited for from the e3 showcase all right and moving on here to the next topic and this is one that is weird frustrating annoying i don't know what the best word to describe it is but it's like all of those things and it's very disheartening when you look at where we are in the media not only in video games but I guess you could say this kind of applies literally to everything, to every facet of information out there, that there's always some sort of inherited bias when stuff is being reported, when stuff is being talked about. And I mean, that's just human nature to have bias about certain things. But I feel like with big professional journalistic websites, such as IGN, such as GameSpot, uh, what are the other ones out there? um polygon kataku all those like massive websites that have tons of traffic and have a lot of influence and you could also even apply this to big youtubers who have huge influence and, and lots of followers but in general i think bias is everywhere on my channel i try to be as unbiased as possible when i'm reporting and talking about certain things so that's one of the things when you come to my channel that you can hopefully get out of it is that I'm just talking about what's going on, and I'm trying to give a logical, unbiased opinion, but it seems like these big companies such as IGN aren't being held to those same standards. And the story here is that during the Xbox and Bethesda games showcase, IGN went into the comments and posted this. Now, when I first saw it, I saw that it was IGN, I saw that it had the check mark, but I was still very skeptical that this was real and I actually went on and I asked one of the people who was tweeting a lot about this. It was Hazador Gaming, Dragon of Dojima Gaming. He was doing a lot of tweets about this. And I just asked in in one of his tweets, so that IGN comment was confirmed real question mark and the response was, it is real. So it looks like this is actually coming straight from IGN. And here's the comment. I've rambled enough, but here's the comment. Again, in the Xbox in Bethesda showcase live stream. The comment says, I love how people say PlayStation has no games when Battlefield will be on both and PS5 just got both Ratchet and Returnal. But what was the last Xbox exclusive? Who could tell me? Internet points, if you can guess. Pretty much taking a shot that we haven't had an Xbox exclusive for a relatively long time now. But that is besides the point because IGN is a big video game journalistic website and to be this biased and just not even care that you're showing that bias or <laughs> just like being so blatant against xbox in an xbox and bethesda showcase where you know it's all pretty much well not all because like i said in my other podcast that everybody's going to be watching xbox and bethesda showcase um even the extended one everyone was going to be watching it that to be that blatant and just put it out there knowing that there's lots of Xbox people in there, lots of Xbox fans, lots of people who have Xbox. Watching the extended showcase, watching the regular showcase, whatever, is just up to me. Now, I get IGN is a massive company, like a big company, journalistic company, whatever. They can't control all their employees. I get that. I mean, I don't know how many people have access to this account to make comments, and they don't know when they're hiring them if these people have like these crazy biases towards one platform or another, but. It just seems like somebody's not doing their job in hiring people that can just provide us the news when it comes to video games, and not tell us and not be so biased towards one or another. And this is like with anything in life, and it's just so annoying to see. It's so frustrating to see. I see, you see it everything. You see it in you see it in every form of entertainment. You see it in politics. You see it in sports. You see it everywhere, right? Where you just want to know what's going on. And you don't want the person who's reporting that news to put in their own opinions and own biases because it's that's their own opinions and own biases isn't the truth. So it's very annoying, but this is just like, you can tell that there are a lot of people within these big journalistic gaming websites that have clear biases towards PlayStation, prefer PlayStation. And if this isn't the only, I would say website or the only time this has happened, So if you're a fan of Xbox, it really makes you doubt a lot of the stuff that they say and a lot of the stuff that they report. And although, like I said, IGN is a big company and it may may be hard to vet everybody that they hire or who they give access to these accounts. When you are that big, you have that much money, you have that much influence, you have also that much responsibility to do those things. So it's frustrating to see. And this wasn't the only thing that happened from IGN. There was another case where I got tagged in a tweet here. And before I even talked about this, I just wanted to make sure this was real and it seems like it really is real. So it's just crazy. But the next thing here was that IGN put this tweet out saying, in case you missed it, River City Girls 2 has been announced for PC, PS5, PS4, and Switch. And then (laughs) it's actually kind of, I can't believe they went to these lengths, but the picture they put, posted with that tweet they cropped out the bottom of the picture which somebody like we're on the internet here people are going to see this and they're going to find it Where are at the bottom of that picture it lists all of the platforms but then they randomly just didn't mention that it's also coming to xbox one and xbox series x and s it's it's crazy so they again for some reason, are putting out this tweet, which River City Girls, the first one was a great game, and I think a lot of em Up fans are interested in River City Girls too. But they cropped out the fact that it is also coming onto Xbox. And again, this is for IGN, and it's just more. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Like, are they doing it on purpose? I mean, that's a pretty damning thing if they're doing it on purpose. If they are purposefully being negative and biased towards Xbox and who would know why maybe PlayStation pays them more money maybe more of their investors are pro PlayStation like there's so many things you could start to think of as to why a big company like IGN would be biased against Xbox maybe i don't know there's so many just so many conspiracy theories you could go into and think of and i don't want to go down those that route but in my opinion it's just like it's just so bad it's just so so bad and we've we've seen this with like the halo infinite stuff that came out from kataku where they fell for a fake tweet that halo infinite was delayed again and they put out an actual article saying that it was delayed and the damage was done after they had put that out because so many people had already seen it and i i bet you there are people that are casual gamers who don't read video game news every single day still believe that for some reason halo infinite was delayed like I see that in my daily life all the time when it comes to video games. Like I'm sitting here on the internet, reading gaming news every single day, I'm deep into it. So if somebody, if something gets published that was a lie or that was fake, if that gets rescinded and it, it's, the truth is actually told after that, I'm gonna figure that out because I read this stuff every single day. But if you're somebody who is a casual reader, you only care about one or two games, you're gonna read that first article that comes out that gets viral, goes viral, gets tons of attention. And you may not realize if that viral article was fake, you may not realize it was fake until way, way, way later, or you may never realize it. So once they put out these articles, once they do these things, even if they go back on it, the damage is done. And, and like I said, I see that in my everyday life where I talk to people and they still don't know about like Xbox Game Pass. They still don't know that Yay play is a part of Xbox game pass, or there's certain games that, that are full price on other platforms that are day one on Xbox game pass. There's all those types of things that we take for granted. People like myself and potentially people like you who are listening, who literally are love video games so much that we, we consume news and information about it every single day. But for lots of people, Stuff like this is terrible because you know now there's gonna be people who read that tweet from IGN who are casual fans of video games, but maybe loved the first River City Girls and was waiting for River City Girls too. Now they may think that there's they may not do any more digging and they may think that River City Girls is not coming out on Xbox. So uh, it's this this was very, very frustrating and I wasn't sure how much of it was real, so I didn't make a video when it first happened because the uh, comment that IGN put in the Xbox and Bethesda extended showcase video happened like a couple of days ago but I just I, I wanted to have some hope that it was fake and it wasn't apparently and that's very frustrating and it's one of the reasons why I personally even though I do use like the big gaming websites their sources in my videos from time to time for stuff that's like you can't really be misconstrued and things like that because there are some good reporters at those websites like that's the the honest thing it's not like everyone's bad you're gonna have some people are bad you're gonna have some people are good so i still give it the benefit of the doubt in that sense but you just i guess going forward you're gonna have to be very careful um as to what is quoted from their those websites and if you can believe things that they are saying. And like I said on my channel, I don't want to come off here as like some holier than thou person who tries to be always unbiased and is better than everything everyone else. I just do my best, I'm a one man person for my channel. I'm literally by myself, I do everything. So I try my best at all times to read the articles and then provide a video and an opinion that is as unbiased as possible but also being logical. And I know some people are going to think that I am biased. And then some people are going to think I do a great job. But that's my goal. Whether I reach that goal or not, I'm always going to try to improve to reach that goal. So I don't know. It's a it's a frustrating thing. Uh, I don't really have too much more to say about that. But it seems like it just isn't stopping. It seems like this is the way it's going. And it's because they want clicks. It's because they want to fuel fanboy wars. It's because they know that if they... If they structure a headline or if they put something out on Twitter with all of the eyes that are already on them, if it creates some sort of drama, if it creates some sort of fighting. Between people, they're going to get more clicks and get more attraction. Because yes, although this is a terrible thing, I bet UIGN has gotten a lot more traffic in the, in the last couple of days that people have been talking about it and reporting on it. And that's the unfortunate part is that they play with people's emotions in order for their own personal gain. And that's why I really don't like it. And you see that in all media which is the unfortunate thing. But let me know what you guys think about this in the comments below. All right, now moving on here to probably the most controversial topic of the week or maybe one of the biggest topics of the week and it has to do with Pete Hines apologizing and however you want to spin it, you can say he was apologizing for the fact that Bethesda games are going to be exclusive to Xbox or you could say, which I think the right way to go about trying to explain this is he was apologizing about the fact that he understands that PlayStation fans are frustrated that Bethesda games are not going to be on that platform. And I guess saying it like that makes the most sense to explain what he said. But I made a video talking about my thoughts on this earlier this week. If you want to go check that out, it will be in the description below. But I, in that video, I read the quote of what he said. And generally, I like to play the actual video and quote if I can find it. And it's it's important in terms of the context, really talk about the entire picture of whatever the story is. And I'm gonna play it in this video here and you're gonna hear exactly what Pete Hines says about PlayStation frustration and Bethesda games coming, being locked to the Xbox ecosystem. So let's just take a quick listen to what he says
1: that Bethesda is in right now, because you own by Microsoft and Xbox, but you have exclusive games for both platforms now, which is which is interesting and awkward. And I don't know. This question's a tricky one to answer, but I still think it's kind okay. of important. Like how I'm sure you can do it because you're a master of answering questions like this. But um, <laughs> the the kind of reality of the situation is, you know, Bethesda has released games on various other platforms, and um, now they're in a position where You know, they felt supported in a lot of ways. Like Skyrim has been on everything. Fallout has been on everything, Dishonored, that kind of stuff. But now they're in a situation where that investment in their platform is kind of gone with Starfield, how it's a difficult pill to swallow, right? For PlayStation fans. How do you, how do they reconcile what's happening given where they are? If you're a big fan of stuff we make and a game that we're making is no longer available on your platform. I totally understand if you are unhappy or pissed or. Whatever, like, I get it. Those are all real feelings and frustrations. How should you deal with that? I have, I haven't the foggiest idea. I would never presume to say, oh, here's how you can make it better and feel better. Um, at the same time, um, you know, there's only so much time I can spend on being focused on what we're not doing, right? I'm trying to focus on yes, we're not. But the actual problem is we are making it for these other platforms and how is that going and where are we and when are we ready to talk about, to your previous question, these different elements of the game and what does that plan look like and do we need to evolve the plan or change the plan based on the timing of things coming into the game or when they're when they're ready to show. So I tend to focus a little bit more on the like, well, that I can solve that I can have a conversation around. Should we talk, how are we going to talk about this feature? How are we going to explain how this part of the game works? Um, because of those are things like, I just, I don't know how to allay the fears and concerns of PlayStation 5 fans other than to say, well, I'm a PlayStation 5 <laughs> player as well. And I've played games on that console and there's games I'm going to continue to, to play on it. Um, but, you know, if you want to play Starfield PC and Xbox, sorry. I, yeah. yeah, all I can really say is, is I apologize um because i'm i'm certain that that's frustrating to folks but um there's not a whole lot i can do about it
0: so there you have it he he goes i mean the question itself to try to get to that was very long-winded rather than just asking the question and then his response to it was also very long-winded and saying that he just understands the frustration as to why people would be upset why these games are not on other platforms and at the end he says he apologizes To PlayStation 5 fans who are used to being able to play Bethesda games on their platforms and won't be able to anymore. And later on on Twitter, after all this came out, a lot of people started talking about it. He kind of clarified what he was doing there and he says, Here, I'm not apologizing for exclusivity. I don't have to do anything. Some of our fans are upset, angry, and I'm sorry they are. That isn't wrong or weird. It's acknowledging how they feel. That's it. That's my whole point. Now, I can see what he's saying here is he's just kind of empathizing with PlayStation fans as to why they would be frustrated and why they would be upset that they're not gonna be able to play Bethesda game. So I I get what he's saying with this tweet here and and what he was trying to get at with that quote. It definitely sounded like people said that they listened to this. Some people in my video said they listened to what he said. And after listening to what he said through the video, it, it was more of like a backhanded apology or more of like... It wasn't a real apology, but I just we just listened to it there, and to me, that at the end, it sounds like an apology. Really, it just it does, and that's the way I hear it. But that's just me, and I could be completely wrong on that. But it does sound like an apology, basically trying to tell PlayStation fans, "It's hey, I can't do anything about this, but I'm sorry that you're not going to be able to play these Bethesda games on your platform." And I personally think it's ridiculous. I don't think that executives need to apologize. I understand, I guess, why he's doing it because he's trying to show that he's empathetic to the way that they feel and to their frustrations. And when it comes to something like exclusivity in video games, though, I don't think that that's really needed, especially when you look at the industry as a whole. You look at PlayStation, you look at Nintendo, and you would definitely never see an executive coming out from PlayStation or Nintendo and apologizing to players of xbox that you're not going to be able to play like spider-man or ratchet and clank or the last of us or Legend of Zelda breath of wild or super mario bros and stuff like that right so that's why i think there's a lot of frustration for people who saw this i don't think it's anything wrong what he did and xbox is very humble they're very open they're very not console worry in the sense that they don't take shots at other people in general they just congratulate other companies when they do well and when they have success so it all aligns with xbox and how they operate so i understand it but i just don't think it, it really was needed and it's ridiculous because playstation fans like come on Come on. If this was if the shoe was on the other foot, the amount of the amount that they whine about this kind of stuff is just unbelievable because if the shoe was on the other foot and and PlayStation had actually bought Bethesda cuz those were the rumors before Xbox came out and bought Bethesda for not even a second would anybody have thought that Bethesda games were coming out on Xbox. And there would have been no questions by the media. There would have been no going back and forth as to whether games were going to be exclusive and there definitely would not have been any sort of apology of any kind, whether it was a backhanded apology or just a straightforward apology at the end of the day. So I don't know. I, I this, this topic has been kind of beaten down and, and people have their opinions on it. I'm of the opinion, officially after listening to it again and even reading what he said in his tweet here, is my opinion is... I understand that he was trying to be empathetic to their feelings, but I don't think it was needed. And with all that being said, I my biggest thing with Xbox, why I love Xbox so much, especially what they're doing with the Xbox Series X and S, is the fact that they allow so many gamers to experience their games with their ecosystem and how they are by far the most consumer-friendly video game company out there right now. And I absolutely love that. But at the same time, they still need to compete and it just makes complete sense why they aren't putting their games, Bethesda games on PlayStation going forward because they they know of how big of a draw these Bethesda games are going to be for people to sign up to Xbox Game Pass and how much money they're going to make off of that. So not only is it a smart move by Xbox to keep them exclusive, which I, I never had any doubt that they weren't going to do that, But it's also, out of all the companies out there, to get exclusivity of such a large and popular game development company like Bethesda, Xbox is by far the best place for these games to land. If PlayStation would have bought them, there would have been zero chance that anybody other than people who went out and dropped $500 on a console on a PlayStation 5 or 400 whatever it is in the United States... Would, those are the only people that were going to be able to play the game. At least with Xbox gating Bethesda, the exclusivity is to the ecosystem and you're not have, being forced to play on the Xbox console if you want to play somewhere else. But I'm going to leave that there. Let me know what your guys' final thoughts are on this, especially after reading his reply tweet here. And if you think that you understand why he's doing it, why he is just expressing that he feels empathy towards the way people who aren't going to be able to play these games anymore feel or if you still think it was not necessary. So moving on here I want to talk about Outriders. It's back in the news again and this is because there was information that we finally got in English from a May 13th results briefing from Square Enix and as we know Outriders was a game that landed onto Xbox Game Pass on day one and it was a major third-party game to make its way onto the service and Square Enix is very happy and they believe that the decision to make Outriders available on Xbox Game Pass on the day of its release has paid off in terms of player acquisition. So here's just some of the quotes coming from Square Enix President Yosuke Matsuda saying, In regards to the response to Outriders, while there were slight issues with bugs, And the like-all launch, we believe it has gotten off to a good start as a new IP. In addition, we have been pleasantly surprised as the digital sales ratio for the title have been very high. And the number of active users has also beaten our expectations. Now, obviously, the fact that the number of users has beaten expectations, a lot of that is going to have to do with Xbox Game Pass. And that the digital sales ratio is high is also great news for them because it means that not only... Are they increasing numbers by putting on the Xbox Game Pass? People are still going out and purchasing these games at full price or Outriders in speci- uh, specifically. He continues on here saying, we believe that our decision to make Outriders available with Microsoft's Xbox Game Pass as soon as the title launched also worked in our favor to build an installed base for the game. It is on track to become the company's next major franchise. If that's something we had heard previously. I guess that was one uh, that was from May 19th him saying that it was on track to be the next major franchise. So that's something we kind of already heard. And then continues on here saying the game attracted over 3.5 million unique players between its April 1 and re- its April 1 release and May 1 according to internal data from its publisher, although it didn't break down the figure at all or comment on Xbox Game Pass specifically at the time, so it remains unclear what percentage of the player base the service subscribers account for. So, all in all, this is just great news for Xbox and for Square Enix because, obviously, it's going on and it's continuously improving, which, I mean, we kind of already know this has to be, I could say, I would say fact in a sense that if you put a big game onto Xbox Game Pass on day one, your install base is uh, going to be very good. Like, you're going to have millions and millions of people that are going to instantly be able to try out the game to download it and to play it and you're going to have a lot of those people who continue to play the game for a very long time and probably at some point either purchase the game because they love it during the time that's on game pass or purchase it before the game comes off of game pass cuz you also get a discount or on top of that make in-game purchases if a game has those those features so this is just great news for for Xbox, great news for Square Enix, and I think that going forward, more big third-party publishers are going to look at use cases like this, look at the the, the data from games like Outriders and want to be a part of that and want to get that big uptake in install base for their game on day one by putting it out on to Xbox Game Pass, especially with the price of games increasing. Like we look at the pricing of games and a lot of next generation games, specifically on the PlayStation 5, uh, are are now 10 extra dollars compared to last generation. And here in Canada, it's even worse because games were $80 last generation and now a lot, some next gen games, all the PS5 games, the first party ones are $90, which is just absolutely crazy. And if you can save that amount of money by playing games on Xbox Game Pass, it's like it's a no brainer. Right? You're going to want to sign up and play and use Xbox Game Pass. And I think as we see the numbers of subscribers continue to increase for Xbox Game Pass, I think we're going to start to see even more third parties wanting to get in on that and put games on there on day one. Like we, we were hoping that Battlefield um, 2042 was going to make it onto Game Pass on day one. It's not, it's a fully multiplayer game, but it will eventually get there six months after its release. And I think one of the reasons why they probably didn't put it out there on day one, was because of the fact that EA Play is a part of Game Pass and it will eventually be coming out. So people are going to go ahead and, and buy that game at full price when it launches on Xbox. And on other platforms and then people who don't are going to be able to experience it later down the line uh through xbox game pass and overall i just think that like if you're microsoft you have to continue to go out and try to attract more big games like this to come on day one for one you're going to increase the hype for game pass you're going to get more people subscribing right away. And then two, you're going to have more data when you go out and you talk to these third party publishers to show them how successful your game can be and how if you make a deal to come onto Xbox Game Pass, you're going to save a lot of money on like marketing and development costs because Microsoft is going to probably pay part of that. And you're going to get a massive install base right away. So. This is good news. Uh, we we've seen this since the launch of a game pass. This isn't really anything new, but we finally got confirmation in English now from the Square Enix report that Outriders is doing very well. And I enjoyed the game. I played through the entire campaign and I've tried to do some expeditions after. It's very hard to play alone, so you definitely need to play with somebody if if you play Outriders if you want to be successful and I think that's definitely the most fun way to play it because if you're playing alone, you really have to put it on a very easy difficulty. Or maybe I just do. But I just found that it was almost impossible to get really rare loot when you're playing alone. Because it gets really tough and, and just it's more enjoyable when you have a partner with you. So if you haven't checked out Outriders, I would recommend going to check the game out. It is a looter shooter. It is a third-party. Or third-party. It is third-person. You have abilities. And I feel like the gunplay is very tight. I feel like the abilities are a lot of fun. and overall it is a decent game but yeah let me know what you guys think about this in the comments below so on this next topic it has to do with the playstation 5 and a recent interview with axios that jim ryan had talking about growing i guess exclusives and growing your game portfolio and that he thinks that throwing money won't lead to success so he's talking about the lineup right now for the PlayStation 5, comparing it really to, I guess, the lineup for the PS4, and this is what he had to say. Yes, the output during the PS4 cycle was excellent, but the great majority of those games came in the second half of the cycle. We made a conscious effort to improve on that this time around, and what you've seen thus far shows that we've certainly made progress. In just a few months since the launch of the PS5, we have released incredible games and have so much more in the pipeline. And developers are really just getting started taking advantage of the technology in PS5. I can't wait to see what PlayStation Studios and our third-party partners create for PS5. If games like Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Returnal, and Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart are examples of what you can achieve in the first six months of PS5, imagine what we will see in year two or year three now firstly for that quote um i do agree that there's going to be a huge upgrade in all next generation consoles as we move through this generation a lot of people like to freak out right away when it comes to next gen consoles when it, when it comes to the series x and the series s and the playstation 5 when looking at like year one's lineup of games or even year two's lineup of games yes i get that there has to be content out there or why even put the console out but it's like we've seen this with every single generation. This is nothing new. These consoles don't come into their own until like halfway through the lifecycle generation until like three, four years down the road is when they really start outputting some incredible stuff and you really start to see just what the hardware can do. Now, that being said, this generation, I think, is a lot more exciting than last because when the PS and the xbox one came out i found that they were already anemic consoles like they were already weak and i mean that was proven by the fact that both companies had to release a mid-cycle regen which revitalized that generation like it just did the ps4 pro and the xbox one x in particular revitalized the xbox and without that it would have been a very 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 bad bad generation in terms of just quality of life and overall enjoyment and experience of these games with low times, with frame rates and all that kind of stuff. But I just feel like with the Series X and the PS5, but out of the two, the Series X, more so than the PS5, with the power under the hood of those consoles, like th- for the price, the what we're going to see come out of them is going to continued to bring us back for easily seven eight years i think like i don't think there's going to be a mid-cycle regen refresh for the series x i think that maybe there'll be a slimmer version but i don't think they're going to have to put out a more powerful xbox halfway through this generation like they did with the xbox one so when we start to see games coming out later down the line We're going to be absolutely blown away. When it comes to the beginning of this generation, the difference between what PS5 is doing and what Xbox is doing is that with the PS5, they've released Ratchet and Clank, Demon's Souls, Spider-Man and Returnal. So that's four games that have, you could say, exclusive... PS5 features that you can't get anywhere else. Like Ratchet & Clank is a PS5 exclusive. Returnal is actually a PS5 exclusive. Spider-Man Miles Morales is not. You can get it on PS4 as well, but obviously it plays best on PS5. And um, so that's not... Wait, is that 4? 1, 2... Spider-Man, Returnal, Ratchet & Clank, Demon's Souls. Yeah, Demon's Souls is also a PS5 exclusive. However, we have seen listings of a PS4 version. I don't know... What that means, apparently it's a listing that could be an upgrade from the PS3 version and it isn't the exact PS5 game, but we'll have to wait and see with all that kind of stuff. But what they've done is they've given four first-party games in the first year of the life cycle. And we, they were, they were supposed—they promised, well, I don't know if promised, but they said GT7 and Horizon Forbidden West and God of War were also going to be coming out in 2021. So they made you believe that there were going to be seven first-party PlayStation 5 games within its first year. And they only really delivered on four, I guess you could say, three, if you count, if you don't count the cross-gen game. With Xbox, they didn't give any first-party games in the first year. And we're not getting any until Halo and uh, Forza Horizon 5 in in November. So... But what they did do, which I think was the better move, is that they kept you interested in the Series X and the Series S to always be turning on that console on a daily basis because of Xbox Game Pass and the amount of content within that service and good content within that service and by really focusing on backwards compatibility as they start to put together Xbox game studios with the 23 studios that they currently have and allow them to really start making their games and outputting which i th- i outputting i think are going to be great experiences. So his point here about that the outputs that they tried to change it up and everything and with the PS5 and put more within the first year and all that kind of stuff, i i mean they didn't didn't do that great of a job at it to be completely honest based off of what they promised. And then besides that, with if with a PS5, that's all you really, for a lot of people, that they're going to be interested in playing. There isn't that big Game Pass subscription service that will keep people continuously turning on the PS5. And he's kind of, he goes on here again, and he's talking about how, you guess he could kind of, people say he is, Maybe I guess comparing a text box, but I don't agree with that either. But he goes on here with another quote, saying, talking about creative cal- talent, saying, nurturing creative talent is not as simple as throwing money at it. You also must give them the freedom to be creative, to take risks, and come up with new ideas. Just look at Ghost of Tsushima from Sucker Punch. That was not the game we thought they were going to ta- to make. But we are not overly rigid or corporate with our talents. We want them to use our hardware as their creative. Palette and kind of contradicting stuff that came out earlier where the teams that Sony wanted to make Days Gone to and they weren't allowed and they had to make The Last of Us remake or whatever. I guess I don't know. That's kind of contradicting to that, but he's just pretty much here referring to the fact that each studio is allowed the creative freedom to really come up with ideas and make whatever they want. And and that's a good concept, I think, that every big video game publisher and development studio should be like. like You should allow your creative minds to to really work together, even if it takes a little bit more time. Maybe it takes a little bit more money, but to really just kind of get all of their creative ideas out there and then zone in on the type of game they want to make where... They already have a good base of foundation based off of allowing the creative freedom and thinking so and what he's saying here is it's no different than what microsoft is doing and if he if this is kind of comparing it to microsoft it's a bad comparison because yes microsoft has more money than sony it's a bigger company they can throw money they can go out and buy great studios to add to xbox game studios but they don't just go out and buy everything they go and they directly purchase studios that they think are going to fit in with at within Xbox Game Studios, appeal to people on Xbox, and appeal to people who are subscribed now to Xbox Game Pass. And they've said multiple times at the Xbox and Bethesda Roundtable, and Phil Spencer just in quotes and everything, has said multiple times that at Xbox, they do not overwatch their studios. They don't like stand over them and have all this corporate stuff in there to tell them that they have to make this game, this game, and have to have this and that. They give them their independence and they give them their creative freedom. And on top of that, they allow people from different studios, if they so choose, they aren't forced to, to go and contribute to games from other studios if it's an idea that they like. So yes, there's a difference between just throwing money at stuff just to output anything. But then what Xbox is doing, that I don't think that's what they're doing. I think they're buying studios because they realized that with the Xbox one and Phil Spencer even said this, they did not focus on first party content nearly enough. And in order to be successful, you need to be able to foster that first party content, whether that means it's coming out only on your platform or what Xbox is doing. And it's coming out on your entire ecosystem. And you need to be able to have enough studios that are creative that create great games that you can have a constant flow of that first party content coming out. And I think right now Xbox is doing well, it's going to happen. Like they want to put out quarterly games. So that's a great thing. And I can't wait to, for them to start doing that because if you think about it, the amount of studios they have right now is crazy with 23. And there's rumors that they're going to be getting more. They're going to be able to be putting out games easily on a quarterly basis or every three months or whatever. No problem. And there are going to be games that are great, high quality AAA first party games because of the amount of studios that they have. And what Xbox has done with the Series X, Series S and the Xbox ecosystem is very smart up until now because they knew that it takes a long time to produce a big AAA game. And they knew that within the first year The only games, uh, within the first year of the Series X and Series S, the only games that could be coming out pretty much, I would say, like big AAA games that could be coming out from Xbox would be studios that were already established within Xbox Game Studios. So playground games with Forza 5, Forza Horizon 5, and Halo Infinite with 343. Already well-established developers within Xbox. So yes, they've been able to work on those games within Xbox Game Studios for a long time. Makes sense why they're coming out in 2021. But other studios that they that they purchased, like Bethesda, even though Bethesda has been working on a lot of games for a long time independently, or just any of the other studios that are under Xbox Game Studios, in order to really capitalize on having all of these other studios under Xbox Game Studios with the backing of Microsoft, with the funding, with everything that a multi-trillion dollar company can bring to a development, to development studio, it's going to take a while for those studios to really be able to take advantage of those resources. So to keep people interested in the Xbox Series X and S, give them Game Pass, give them backwards compatibility, and then get them excited for Halo Infinite and Forza Horizon 5. And I think it was it's a great strategy, and I think they've done a great job. And even with the releases of Ratchet & Clank, Demon's Souls, Spider-Man, and Returnal on the PS5 this year, I still think that what Xbox has done with their overall strategy is going to be the superior strategy throughout this generation because this is going to be, I think 2021 is going to be the only year where we see just those two Xbox first-party games because once these studios get rolling, we're going to be seeing Xbox Game Studio games every single quarter and they're going to be high-quality because of the how much resources that Microsoft has. So it's very exciting. And I do agree with your mind that you shouldn't just throw money at stuff. But I don't think Xbox is doing that at all. I think that they're buying studios that fit into Xbox Game Studios. They're allowing them to work independently and they're providing them with the resources to be creative. So that's it for me this week. I hope you all had a great week and uh, thank you again for stopping by. I say it every week but I really do mean it. I really appreciate everybody who watches my videos and listens to my stuff because I mean I was making videos for years before my channel started to grow and nobody was tuning in but I just loved doing it and I kept going and now that people are actually tuning in to my content it just means the world to me so I really do appreciate it and um, yeah I will catch you throughout the week with my daily uploads or next week on the PlumeCast. and if you guys are not hockey fans or if you want to support me through the uh, any other means other than watching my videos cheer for the Habs today because it's a big game and i really really hope they win and i hope that they win the series but i will catch you guys throughout the week talk to you later